everyone, and welcome to 99 Potions, the premier RPG podcast from fanbyte.com. I'm your host, editor-at-large uh, for the site, John Warren, with me, as always, our managing editor, Stephen Strom. Hello, Stephen. Hi, I'm a living bag of sweat that is melting into the floor right now. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you good. for inviting me on this week's podcast. Uh, I'm glad that you could finally represent my people, living bags of sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I, l- I love the representation. Uh, <laughs> Natalie, Natalie, our featured uh, contributor, Natalie Flores. Hello, Natalie. Hi, how are you, John? I'm. You know what? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm getting to hang out with my favorite, my with my favorite RPG pals this morning. So it's very Hell good. Yeah. And joining us this week is uh, a big fan of the the series we're going to be talking about today. Uh, our wonderful intern, Ren Price. Hi, Ren. Hi. Uh, I'm actually one-eighth bag of sweat. I just uh, turned off my dehumidifier in my room, so we're going to see if if, oh. my, if my heritage shifts over the well, course yeah. of this podcast. But did currently, a, I am, I am one-eighth uh, bag of sweat. Did y'all do a 23andMe? Y'all might be related. Mm. Oh, nice. I mean, I do have, I do have hyperhidrosis, uh, which is really cool and good. It makes my hands always feel terrible, which is why I wash them constantly. Moving on from that gross fact about me, what are we talking about? Uh, well, this week we're talking about a series that I know very little about, so I'm uh, as as ill-equipped to host this as humanly possible, although I did do some research. We are going to be talking about the Etrian Odyssey uh, franchise, which I know Steven loves, or, well, I don't know, loves might be too strong. Mm. Uh, I don't know. You love oh. it? No, I love it. I, okay, mm, I love it. I don't know that it loves me back, but that's a lot of video games Oh, it I doesn't love. love you back. Okay, all right. So, Steven loves it. Uh, doesn't love them back. That's fine. Uh, and Rin also big, big, big fan of at least one of these entries, right? Yeah, yeah. I have I have a lot of feelings uh, because I play these games weird, so yeah. it takes me longer. Now, Natalie and I know nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I'm just I'm not even going to say about Etrian Odyssey. Natalie and I know nothing. Yeah. So mm. we are right. stand-ins for everyone else who is also not informed on. Yes. Anything. Odyssey. Yeah, we are. Um, we are your presentation. Yes, we. Uh, everyone at home, when you're feeling lost and in a first-person maze of Ren and Steven's design, know that we're right there with you. Two, with two people with collective. gorgeous, completely empty skulls. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes immaculately we, crafted, completely empty. So yeah, we tend to have like we each have one brain cell, and sometimes it combines into a big giant brain cell but then at other times mm. it'll split into two tiny brain cells that so. are worse yeah yeah is this is this and like then, a dragon the wind, ball and then the wind blows through them and it's like a little <laughs> flute sound and yeah. it's like oh if you if you pick up natalie's uh natalie's empty skull and move it to this other part of the room it makes a different whistling noise and then someone makes a version of uh the one uh, megalovania with you and john's empty skull <laughs> yes kind of just putting uh, them in different parts of a room my spine's like a theremin Anyway, what is the series about? Etrian <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Odyssey is a series of dungeon-crawling RPGs from the fine folks at Atlas, those behind the Shin Megami Tensei franchise and, you know, your personas. Ooh. They probably do other stuff, too. Right, Ren? Yeah, they do a lot of things. They do so what? many things. I, uh, I, I, I'm not going to list them in, excru- in, in excruciating detail. Um, I don't know. Do- Catherine. Oh, they did um, Catherine. Didn't they? they did Catherine. They do a lot of other transphobic games. That's uh, kind of that's kind of their staple. 
That's their favorite thing. They did uh, Radiant Historia, which is Oh, they did really do Radiant good. Historia. Yeah. Um, yeah. They did Odin's Fear, which is like one of the yes, prettiest games yes. ever made. Um, Very good. Uh, but yeah, you know, big, big RPG crew over yeah. there at Atlas, the publisher. So yes. Yeah. They published um, a Friday the thir- 13th game for the Nintendo sorry, Entertainment System. What? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> huh. That follows. I sorry, guess. Sorry. No, they didn't publish it. They developed it. That's Somebody weirder. else published it. Huh. Demon huh. Souls? I see here. Oh, yeah. The first. Yeah, they did Demon Souls in like one part of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. They totally did do that. Anyway, sorry. Etrian Odyssey is dungeon <laughs> crawlers in the style of the early Megami Tensei games and your wizardry. You know, if you if folks remember riz- wizardry. No, I'm wizardry. No, no one. No one does. I mean, oh, I'm that's tw- a very I know, I'm old t- series. I'm 20 years old. Yeah. Do you perhaps I mean, that, remember? That is- that is one of the things that I guess I, in my research, I guess I noticed about this being a, essentially not a, fir- not a, not a one-to-one movement walk around uh, RPG like Skyrim. I need no. everyone to understand that. What I mean is like, it is tile-based, tile-based, like, you know, one, one space to one space. Navigating mm-hmm. through this dungeon, which is Legends so of Grim old Rock, school. Yes, yes. That is you're, and so you're well, old school. It's Close. more than just that. You're also talking about like literally drawing the map physically as yes. you go, which is like yeah. probably one of my favorite things about the game. Is is the is the act of map making and yes. the right. way that kind of Good. creates a really interesting space for role playing. Um, for for context, these games are usually pretty story light. Would you would you say, Stephen? Right. Uh, yes. What they did was so the franchise is itself. There's five numbered games plus a spinoff plus two remakes of the first two games. And the remakes of the first two games tried to do way more story stuff. Um, but the most of the franchise, the bulk of the franchise, is like there's a big dungeon. There's usually a big tree involved with that dungeon in some way, and you are a list like a, like an enlisted group of um, nameless adventurers or or custom named adventurers that never speak that go into the dungeon to go find out what's at the bottom or the top of that dungeon, and that's it. Yes. That's like that's like the whole thing. Other than again, those two remakes tried to retroactively inject story into Etrian Odyssey one and two. Uh, I think that was met with mixed reception especially of the first one um there were other problems with the untold games that's what those remakes are called there, but yeah there are characters like there are characters but it's not like it's not like a fucking plot right it's not like there is a a real structure a, a traditional narrative structure to it instead the, there'll be like oh here's someone you'll meet for like a couple of floors of this dungeon and you get yeah. to see like like a like one character arc for them and they might show up a little bit later um, that's especially like the thing with Nexus. Um, with Nexus, yes, super each Nexus, um, yeah. each um, kind of dungeon you go into is a um, not a remake of, but a reimagining of one of the uh, dungeons from the previous game, from the previous five games. Yeah, uh, and they're like each a reimagining of that, and it brings characters back that you then get to interact with and like hang out with and, and talk to, like Wiglaf. Um, like Wiglaf, <laughs> like what, fucking Roy and Cherim and fucking Leo. What yeah. kind of name is Wiglaf? Uh, Wiglaf is, I believe, a Norse name. No, I don't know what the fuck. I think it's made up. <laughs> yeah, fuck. What? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, uh, Wiglaf it's a Star Trek. sounds like Welsh or something. It does kind of sound Welsh, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Wiglaf is just the only character name I remember from Etrian Odyssey because their name is Wiglaf, and I think that's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Wiglaf. Yeah, whips. 
Uh, four, Etrian Odyssey 4, which I kind of feel like... There's almost like two eras of Etrian Odyssey. There's 1, 2, and 3. Or there's even like 1 and 2, and then 3 is its own weird outlier, I feel like. That's also the one that like has no modern version. That was like a DS... That was the last regular DS game before they switched over to 3DS. And then that one didn't get a remake like 1 and 2. So 3 is kind of its own weird island. But then 4, 5, and Odyssey... Or no, sorry, not Odyssey. Nexus are all kind of their own modern-day thing as well. And um, those do have story for, especially does have story, but again, it, like, like you said, Ren, it's, it's more like just a very basic outline to get you to go from one biome to the next, because these games are very big on each dungeon you go to, whether that's like a new floor of a big tree that you're ascending, or it's like a new landmass that you need to take an airship to, there's always some kind of conceit as to why you are always um, moving from one biome to the next. So like this dungeon will be based around, it's a big cave full of these weird crystals that you need to puzzle out, or this will be like a big giant forest that has these big uh, giant monkeys that break trees if they see you and stuff like that. Would you say yeah. that's fair? It's like kind of yeah, like a mechanic. Each- yeah, each has, well, like, the, the meanest way to call it would be, like, a gimmick. Each dungeon has its yeah. own, like, gimmick. But, like, mm-hmm. it's, they're good gimmicks. They're they good are. at doing gimmicks. And because of that, it doesn't feel like, it's like, it's like, it's like gimmicks in, like, I might be completely off base this. It's like gimmicks in the way that, like, a good wrestler has a gimmick. Sure. Like, yeah, it's a fucking gimmick, but, like, it's good. Like, it yeah. works. Cody Rhodes found the cosmic key, he painted himself silver, and then he was able to ascend to a higher plane of existence. And <laughs> like Cody now Rhodes he... is the worst gimmick ever. I love I, that. Hey, okay, that's a different podcast where we you know you and I have to fight about that. That got the fucking um Stardust Gold Dust stuff got me into wrestling, John. Alright, fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. Steve cosmic Steven, key. come on fan fight. Yeah. Uh one of these days, you know what? I will go and watch yeah, we'll some old it. promos. What was their team? No, no. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> we can't. Well, I mean, we can't. I mean, like you know, we we. I mean, I I'm I'm, I'm completely we we okay should. with I'm completely okay with the gimmick as a wrestling framed thing. But I mean, like this is this is something in Legend of Zelda. This is something in a lot of places. I mean, Zelda usually has very elemental based dungeons. So sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I would say that the Etrian Odyssey franchise, one of the things that um, makes it stand apart from a lot of other games, not the only thing, because I think there's yeah. a, one other major thing, is that they do it better than anyone else. Um, yeah. And a lot of that comes down to what Ren was talking about with the mapping system. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And Which it's funny I, to see. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, I guess I guess my question is just like. What, you know, what you get out of that? What do you get out of it? What do you get out of seeing map go? go burr, from burr. nothing to so to something for me it's not even seeing it it's it's the act of drawing it so okay, okay. let me let me let me start off with like how does how does an Etrian odyssey game start you start with a screen that is like okay make your guild basically like there's a bit of an intro depending on the game mm-hmm. to be like oh so it's happening and then you get a screen that says hey make your guild and you basically pick a name for your guild and then you yeah, put like a something like you- something tasteful like nut thief chi chi <laughs> oh, that, Steven, that's real good. I went with the Cozeners Guild, uh, which is based off of an archaic English word for thief. Okay, yeah. that sounds like something you would do. Actually. Oh, oh, you have no fucking clue. We're oh, if we if you let me get into my fucking bullshit, I'm so excited for this fucking podcast. Um, Please get into your and bullshit. You, uh, and then you like fill it with a bunch of characters, right? And those characters are a portrait, some stats. 
a name and a class. Okay? Mm-hmm. That is yeah. all they will ever be. That is like, those are the characters. They don't talk. They're like du- so darkest you, dungeon people. You've described Natalie's worst nightmare then. <laughs> yes. Basically. I was thinking that. Because I, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the art style and I'm just like, why do all these people look like they're six years old? They do. Yeah, Some of them do. I will so, say that. Yeah. They so what's, do all uh, okay. look like they're, they're yeah, it literal elementary Because I know there's children. like a chibi art style, but I mean, I saw a character in just like sort of a bikini and she yeah, looked very, yeah, very, no, yeah. No. And I was like, hmm. So, so, so the cool, so the thing is, so the thing with Nexus is um, they use, basically Nexus is built up of classes, like all the different classes from the previous eras. Or like from remixes like the previous of those games. classes, yeah. Right. Remixes uh, of those classes, okay. But they also have different, they have the same art style. So the cool thing about Nexus is that half of the characters are in that like more chibi art style and the other oh. half look like the person Steven just sent. <laughs> so yeah. just kind of like a, just kind of like a wi- like a wizard or like the basis for the Grateful Here, Dead. Let me send you my, my favorite, um, my favorite character. Let me show you what she looks like. Um. Uh, while while Ren pulls that up, I do want to say that because these characters don't have like real names, I have uh, I am also part of the fanbite crew, which means I also have um, a limited number of brain cells available to me at any given time, uh, which is why <laughs> all of my characters are named. If you can see Herod who is a hero, Shogushi, who is a shogun, Impalus, who is an imperial, Gundra, which is a gun haver, I don't know what they're called, and Sovereil, which is a sovereign, because I just name all my characters okay. as plays on their so- class name so I can remember who the fuck they are. Okay, so then let's do this exercise. What should everyone on this podcast then be named? <laughs> Natalie. Okay. All Jesus. of them, I will name Natalie. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Welcome to, no, welcome to 99 Potions. It's Natalie, 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 and Natalie. Here we are. Uh, Jordan says a gun haver is a Gundam. I would argue that a gun haver is a gun tank or a gun can. No, mm. a gun gun cannon. Gun cannon. Yeah. You know, more of a gun cannon, which is a thing okay. from Gundam. The gotcha. Imperial is more of a Gundam, if we're if we're being honest in terms of how they. Well, hmm, yeah, no, the Imperial is a Gundam. Um, so the so the class that I said. So yeah, no. Listen, some of these character designs are really bad. No, they're bad. Um, yeah, these old ones are terrible. Which is why I don't they, use them. They they look like RPG maker. Uh, defaults. A little bit, yeah. Except more pedophilia. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when the last time you looked at the RPG maker oh, defaults. You know what? Was. Fair enough. I haven't. Yeah. This uh, one is okay. the one that stood out to me. Wait, let me send it in the chat though. No. Yeah. The the ones I just sent are really really bad. They're really fucking bad, which is why I go with the um set on Jesus. That's that's not even Christ. real. That's not even a real character design. That's weird cuz that's like the hero but they've like taken off most of her clothes. Like that's yeah. not what she looks like in the game. Oh. That's strange. Is that fan art but, then you think? No, it's it's on Amazon or the Art Museum. SQ Art Museum. I don't know what this is. Yeah, let me show you what that character is. It's the official like, art book featuring character artworks oh, of Etrian Odyssey 5. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, like, uh, Ren has that actual character here, which is, like, the one on the uh, top from the right, first, uh, second over from the right on the top, or from the left okay. on the top. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. So, in in summary, there are portraits that do suck a lot of the time, yeah. which Etrian is why... Odyssey is a land of contrasts. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's very funny that, so what's the, so my naming convention, uh, I have, the, I use that naming convention with with one character, 
Uh, and that is the guy with a big spear who I did name Partisan. Oh, sure, of course you did. Yeah, of course I named the I guy mean, with the big spear Partisan. Uh, no, I, you know, listen, I understand the, the vitriol for my Viera Fedona Tep's <laughs> name, but, you know, these these names y'all are throwing out aren't exactly winners. All right, I do you want, say. hey, are you ready for the fucking names, that, uh, the other names that I have? I just can't mistake them for Fedora. All right, all right. <laughs> my current party name is Cassandra, Alexander, Eliza, okay. Elric, and Lady Ella. Yeah, that's fine, um, though. They're fine. Those are They're, fine. Those are yeah, fine. The, the full... So, okay. Each yeah, if you're a coward, they're fine, class. John. <laughs> Listen, I didn't I didn't mention Cass- Cassandra's siblings, so you can't give me that, oh. sh- that shit until you know her siblings, Cascara and Cassander, um, because their family okay, was one well. of those. Um, uh, also, um, everything that Ren is saying right now is totally made up. This is all this is all Ren you. on her yeah, bullshit. Yeah. yeah, this is me on my bullshit, which is why I love these games. Because, uh, uh, okay, for, for an explanation of why I said I play these games weird. Um, hey, um, Steven, mm. when you're going through, a, through the game, how many different parties do you make? Uh, it's less that I make, like, so, uh, like, specific parties and more that I will, like, use a certain composition until I get bored and then I will try to think of like what is a piece that I am bored of and then I will slot that one out and then back in again. And that's kind of how I approach most RPGs. I'm not somebody who's just like, well, I'm playing Final Fantasy 7. I'm taking Barrett, Red 13, and Cloud or whatever. And then like, mm-hmm. I'm only going to level them up through the entire game. Like, no, I'm always rotating people in and out throughout the experience. So I am always rotating people in and out, uh, but doing so on the basis of how I fe- who I feel is the most narratively interesting person to be part of the party at any given point in time because of the massive fucking headcanon narrative that is building in the background that, for mm. me, starts with the maps. Um, so, for me, like, the physical act of drawing the map kind of gets you into... puts your head in a certain place where you are thinking about this world as a participant in it as opposed to just an outside observer. But the fact that you are literally like mapping it down and learning how to understand the space and also like leaving little notes for yourself. The first time I like left a little note that was like, oh, here's a fun little random event that happened in this square, right? right? I left a note for myself. And the second I did that, my brain went, I wonder which person in the party wrote that. I wonder which of these characters is the person who wrote this um, this little note on this corner of this map. Who is actually keeping track of this, right? And then from there, it kind of spins out, and the relationships start forming. And once I have, like, solid character relationships in my head, um, the dungeons kind of become a weird role-playing space that um, you have, like, really fun stories and narratives building in that, like, tie in mechanically. I think um, you would really like Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> I mean, you're right, which is why, which is why I'm letting my friend um, uh, uh, Andrew Swan fucking convince me to play it. He he did his he did his dark work, uh, and now it looks like I'm I'm gonna dive into that that yeah, Ren, pit. Ren, you're gonna fucking lose it. You're gonna love Final Fantasy XIV so goddamn much. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm gonna like it so much. But all of this headcanon bullshit aside, like, okay, when I say it manifests like in a mechanical way, do you mind if I like talk about a boss fight? Um, yes, please. So you played Nexus, yes? Yeah, I've played all the like 3DS ones. Perfect. Do you remember the boss fight against the dragon? Mm-hmm. Cool. So in the third um, labyrinth, spoilers, there is a third or fourth. There is third. Um, there is a boss fight against a big dragon. 
Um, and in it, um, so I had this main, in, in my head there are, the, like, the main cast of this story that I've been building is Lady Ella, who is the, um, the scion of House Kozener, which is a fake noble house that she made up through a really good lie. Um, and she is now using to infiltrate the nobility to kind of destroy it from the inside and eventually incite a revolution. But that's not relevant here. Um, it's Lady Ella, who is a sovereign. That's a class that is all about providing buffs and um, and they're the best fucking class in in, uh, in Odyssey. No, fuck, I keep saying uh, Odyssey, and I don't Odyssey. know why. Nexus, Nexus. Yeah, they're like, the best fucking class. I love them so much. I think it's yeah. I think it's like sovereigns and like heroes. Heroes are, are designed to be overpowered. So yeah, heroes are mechanically uh, the best. Yes, absolutely. It is Lady Ella, the sovereign, um, Alexander, the hero, who is her first knight. Um, and genuinely believes in, in, in the aristocracy, but he's just like, he's like your standard fucking dumbass knight. Uh, a Didier, if you will, uh, Natalie. That's our, what, what? Um, uh, that what was a, a Fata, uh, Fata Morgana reference. Fata Morgana, yeah. Uh. Um, Didier is, Didier sucks. I fucking hate him. He's fine. <laughs> and he's we also fine. cried over him, but like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um. Uh, a dumbass knight who genuinely believes in, like, the knight order, but, like, has a good heart, right? He's got a good heart. He's conflicted. Uh, and then Cassandra, who is an, an imperial. So the imperial class is one of my favorites in the entire... It's probably my favorite in the entire game. Imperial is very good. Because they are designed to do incredible single target damage. Basically, your imperial does okay at, like, fighting normal enemies, but they are designed to one-shot bosses. Like, they are designed to just absolutely unmake uh, larger enemies. John, the, if they, if they, yeah. um, if this was Final Fantasy, they would ha be gunblade wielders. Oh, yeah, okay. they literally have a gun. They, it is all but a gunblade in an all but name. It's mm -hmm. called a, um, what is it called? Uh, oh, drive, it's called a drive, drive blade? blade. It's called yeah. a drive blade. Um, um, it's like, John, it's like, uh, no, and Natalie, you'll get this too. It's like, what if Cloud's Buster Sword was also a gunblade? What if they put those two concepts together uh, and had a big two-hander? Who tastes that great, that tastes great to get, you know, you know. <laughs> that's Jordan what it You know what, Jordan? Edit that so that means two tastes that taste great together. Make that or sound really good. Okay. Um, a switch axe from Monster Hunter. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, like, it literally also does ignite and, like, have different elemental effects. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, um, all oh, this that's aside... that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Oh, that's kind of um, She's designed to one-hit bosses, but she can't sustain herself over long periods of time. Because this game's, like, MP, the, this game's equivalent of MP called TP, is <laughs> the most fucking rare resource on Earth. If you, yeah. you cannot heal. You cannot heal TP. Basically, once you run out, you have to leave the dungeon. That is the, that is the game telling you, hey, it's time to leave. You so have there's, fucking a overstayed there's a your TP welcome. shortage? There's a TP shortage there's in Etrian Odyssey. Shortage. It's kind of like wow, real life. Just like, just like real life. Just like that, Q. Oh my God. Good? Isn't that funny? That makes me think so much. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like the big Q. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, also, this character design, I love Soul Calibur. Yes! That's oh my Hunter, god, actually. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> this is Monster Hunter. For the record, this is not an Etrian Odyssey. This is a Switch Axe oh, from Monster Hunter. Oh, that's literally Monster Hunter. Literally, oh, okay, Switch Axe from Monster Hunter. This is okay. the Imperial character design. Gotcha, oh, okay. okay. They do, so you see the big sword, you see the big fucking sword <laughs> yeah. with the big engine to, in it. I have to be honest, I fucking hate the faces on these goddamn oh, characters. no, the, again, the two on the right <laughs> fucking hate them. Fucking I mean, hate them. The others aren't the, great either. I mean, it's just... I like the two on the left. I, I, no, I, I, two is, 
what's funny is that Atlas, although so many of Atlas's games are so expressive in in facial like structure and like I don't know. I, I I like the way a lot of Atlas games look and this is so a very, very clearly a different team with different sensibilities within that within oh, that larger a, structure. A thousand percent. A thousand yeah, percent. Because they're good at making dungeons unlike the Persona team, which that I, is their fucking whew, worst element. I mean Maybe that was gonna be my next I mean, like. Right. Ser- maybe that was gonna be my ma- my next like kind of serious question because like mechanically, when I watch videos of Etrian Odyssey and kind of the the the, the map building and stuff like that, I I kind of get it. Like I get why that this idea of exploration and you're basically a cartographer of this so, space is cool. But it's like, I why you know th- these teams presumably work in the same uh, you know uh, payroll like. Maybe they should uh, exchange some Cro- notes. Cross pollinate a little bit. Are pretty bad. The boss design in Etrian Odyssey is better than I would say almost any per- and better than any Persona game. The actual okay. like, boss design is better than like any Persona game. Like mechanically, uh, mechanically, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I would say it is. There are probably Shimigami Tensei bosses that are better or more interesting. Yes, uh, but I would say that it, they blow. Uh, Persona out of the water. So basically, um, the thing I was trying is there's this boss fight. Okay. The thing with the Imperial is that they run out of MP, and once they run out of MP, they're kind of dead in the water. Yeah. Uh, they have an ability that lets them restore all of their MP and then get triple what they um, what their like max is, and it lets them do it once per dungeon. Uh, it's like their limit break. They have a limit break that like basically restores all their MP once per dungeon, right? right? Every every class has like a um, kind of a special move, like a limit break in the sense of like a thing that you can just get back over time um, by taking actions and taking damage. But then they have like a literal limit break that it's just like, no, you cannot get this back. The only way to get this back is to return to town and rest. Right, exactly. So that's the issue with the class is that they run out of MP and then they can't be used because their most powerful attacks use their entire MP bar. All right. Except, so basically I've been using her as a glass cannon this entire game, Mm -hmm. right? Up to level 20, 24, she's a glass cannon. Right, and then I get her into a party with Alexander. So in my head canon, uh, Cassandra has a crush, a crush on Lady Ella, but she can't actually act on it because she's trying to undermine Lady Ella because she hates the nobility, and they don't realize that they're working towards the same goals. Okay, this is my bullshit head canon. The reason that I, <laughs> yes, I know none yeah, of none, this is real. None Steven. of this is real. Yes, yeah. but that's so much of, of the appeal of a game like Final Fantasy fourteen, right? Like you create this head canon. And you yeah. deviate away I mean, that's, from that's legit. Totally. Yeah. No, yeah. I support exactly. this one hundred percent. I just want it for the for the court. I want everyone to know this is where red none of this is coming from right. the game right. itself. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the moment that I'm going to get to is why I think this game yeah. works. So basically, I add Alexander into the party. He's the hero. So Lady Al, sorry, not Lady Al, sorry. Um, Cassandra goes from being the strongest member of the team to now being second to Alexander. Right. Basically, someone comes in because uh, I add this person to the party and he unseats Cassandra as like the boss killer, as like the strongest person there. Right. And basically, I'm sitting there being like, well, what the fuck am I going to do with Cassandra now? Because she's kind of lost her role, both narratively and mechanically. Um, and then I get to this boss fight. Right. And we get fucking wiped on the first try. And then I go back and I'm like, OK, cool. And then it kind of shifts into this like weird training arc. At the end of with with just Alexander and uh, Cassandra as like the main people who are trying to get stronger, mm-hmm. and of course everyone else is getting levels at the same time, but then this moment happens where I unlock an ability that allows Cassandra to gain back MP in the middle of a fight. 
So uh, the other thing about the Imperial class is that they're good for one-hit damage, but they also have these weird long combos. Yeah. And these combos um, work to basically apply different effects to enemies or to heal um, the person using them. Because once and they make their sword explode, their sword goes into cooldown, but then you have a bunch of moves that, like, w you can basically only use when it's in cooldown, and it reduces the cooldown in various ways and does other cool stuff. Exactly. And that's kind of where the combo comes from. Uh, and one of them uh, restores TP. And basically, because of her rivalry with Alexander, I unlock this ability that allows her to go from being, like, a one-hit wonder... Uh, to being a really skilled technical fighter who's able to sustain herself through an encounter. And we go into this boss fight having finally gotten them both strong enough to be able to pull this off. And in the last fucking minute, these two rivals who have who have quite literally learned how to fight from each other because, uh, again, narratively, Cassandra has learned how to become this technical fighter by following and watching Alexander. Mm -hmm. uh, the last hit of the fight, Alexander tanks a shot that would have killed Cassandra, and then she lands the final blow and finishes the fight. And if that isn't some, like, dumb anime bullshit that I'm really here for, I don't know what is. It fucking whips. It's, <laughs> it, it makes me... It fucking blows my mind, because that fight is so incredibly hard, because this dragon is constantly binding your legs and then doing just ridiculous fucking damage. And then for the final hit of this fight to be him blocking an attack for her, and then her landing um, after, you know, doing this, like, rhythm that she learned and finding this, like, technical fighter within herself, landing that final hit felt fucking incredible and made the game like basically like broke my brain and i was like oh cool i understand everything about this now and why i love this it's because these characters and the way the game puts them under pressure mechanically mm -hmm. and the way the game like puts you as a player under pressure mechanically creates just such an incredible space to think through how these worlds affect the people in it uh, and how these systems can manifest and how like rpg battle systems function as a um kind like of storytelling a, device yeah as a storytelling device right it made the rpg battle as narrative abstraction work for me because like that's the issue with jrpgs when you're looking at them as stories sometimes and it's like well how do they fight through all these enemies it's narrative abstraction it's abstracting the actual emotion involved in the narrative and that's what etrian odyssey fucking blasts home in this moment for me Sorry that I rambled about this for like 15 minutes, but like this is for me the key to why this game works. No, this is so interesting. Like, do not apologize for it. I do wonder though, like, do you feel like the game carves out this space and encourages it? Or do you think that this is something that you do in spite of what the game allows and encourages? I would say yes, it, it does carve out this space intentionally because the devs have stated that intention. Oh, um, okay. The kind of the kind of tweet that got me into the kind of the thing that got me into this series was an Austin Walker tweet where he shared um, a photo of an interview with the devs where they were like, "This game, I I'm glad that people like playing this as a combat sim. The game actually, the real game is thinking about these characters and what they do in their downtime." right? It's one thing to play through all of these dungeons. It's another to think about what they're like when they're at the inn. 
And we very intentionally want players to think about that. They don't have to, but that is our goal in making these, is to get people to think about the downtime, get people to think about the quiet space at the inn, their you know, party members sitting together and planning the next adventure. Right, that is that is a stated intention um, for the series design, and I think I think I think it works. I think the map making and the random events therein give you just enough to get your brain going. Um, what I would, I guess, maybe what I would ask is, and and this might be a clumsy analogy, but it's like there there are a lot of Western studios that make uh, primarily computer like isometric RPGs that are like very much based on a tradition of literal dungeons and dragons and kind of like, you know, they're supposed to capture some of that feeling, but it almost sounds like Etrian Odyssey gives you more of a blank slate to do that, which is like interesting. I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that tracks, but like, that's that's, exactly what it sounds like. Okay. That is exactly how it feels is it is learning from the tabletop role-playing game genre in a way that, um, in a very different, a very specific way. Right. Um, That's cool. That to me is really exciting. Steve, would you agree with that? A lot of, well, the way I would kind of like phrase it, I would agree with it. And I think the way to like succinctly put it is a lot of um, Western CRPGs that pull from Dungeons and Dragons and other TTRPGs are trying to simulate modules. A lot of Western, no, sorry, Eastern, a lot of Japanese uh, RPGs that pull from that same source are trying to simulate settings and Mm. playbooks, Uh, not necessarily trying to create a storyline. Planescape Torment is a module, right? It's a, it is a story set in a specific place and time within a setting that already exists, but also has its own story that it wants to tell you. This thing is like, what if we just set it in Planescape? What if we just made a game set in Planescape and you kind of just like moved through that world? Now, you know, the other side of that is that Etrian Odyssey doesn't have dialogue trees. It doesn't have like actual representation of characters talking on screen with one another in the same way. And I think that there is perhaps in a higher budget version of this room to do more of that stuff and give you more um, visible results for your headcanon and stuff like that. I think there are games that have done that before. Um, but this one, you know, the Etrian Odyssey series has never been, I don't think, Atlas's like number one hit in the world. Obviously, right. Persona is much more popular. But that's got to uh, be a tough tightrope to walk, Stephen, though, if they if they want to add more interactions and uh, options between like interactions with your characters and things like that, like that definitely puts a weird pressure on because, you know, it sounds like I, you know, Rin is making, you know, making it up basically. And there's a power to do that. And I feel like if you, if you insert more options, it basically tries to turn it into something different. Right. I don't know. For, for me, it's more systems. I want right. them to, I want them to do, I want them to make the relationships that I see on screen mechanical. Right, make okay. it so that Alexander is more likely to defend Cassandra because they've gotcha. spent time together. I want characters had... to have traits, okay. right? If if the Darkest Dungeon team worked with the Etrian Odyssey folks, they'd ah, be stoked. And honestly, yeah. Et- Darkest Dungeon is like it, it is not the like Western Etrian Odyssey, but there's I mean there's it's a pretty similarities. Right there, it's, it's it's it, as it close like... as you can get. Yeah. There's actually um, a game called Mistover that is basically somebody was like, what if we put darkest dungeon structure into like the world of it like into the mechanics of etrian odyssey like there is a there is a crossover game basically like an unofficial crossover game oh that's that's does it have like the trait stuff yeah i believe so oh my god all right i i'm gonna go what is that on what that's on switch 
Oh, well, we've Ooh. lost uh, Rina's drop All right. Call. Oh, okay. Now I get to talk about Etrian Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, talking I mean, out for Steven. Steven, what, yeah. well, I mean, you know, we... I th- I think Rin's appeal for the series is is pretty clear. Like what what is it for you that uh, you mentioned that you don't play this game right? I think or something like that. Um. Yeah. Maybe not right. I don't know. It's tough to say. It, it, this game is a very math heavy and very math intensive. Not math in the sense oh, wow. of like Natalie actually. Natalie and I are definitely out then. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, it's math intensive, but not like math, actually doing math in your head, math intensive. It's math intensive. It's stats intensive, right? It's min maxing. It's going down specific tech trees. It's grinding a lot to try and get your characters to a place if you choose to do that. And any game that gives me that option is a game where I'm going to do that. I play these games and most games like them very maximally. I probably put an extra 25% onto the runtime in any one of these games because I want to unlock all the cool shit as quickly as possible uh, and play with all my different toys. Because for me, the Etrian Odyssey franchise is never really... I I don't... I love doing the headcanon stuff in other games. The Etrian Odyssey franchise has never been that for me. I... I almost approach the Etrian Odyssey games as like more of a hardcore version of checklisty games like Ghost of Tsushima or Assassin's Creed. Uh, Or... Another comparison that I think is maybe a little bit more apt, but maybe not as widespread. I, one of my favorite games of all time is Subnautica. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about Subnautica is it is a game about exploration and incremental progress, but incremental progress that feels meaningful every time you do it. In Subnautica, you start that game. It's an underwater sort of, uh, you know, Minecraft gather materials, build stuff game. And your first thing that you craft is flippers for your feet so you can swim faster. And flippers like lead, lead you to more materials that you can harvest and level up. And then that becomes this little handheld engine that you grab onto and pulls you along so you can move even faster and farther. And then that turns into a mini sub. And then a mini sub turns into a big, huge, like mobile base sub. And then the mobile base can have a mech suit with a bionic commando arm built into the side that you can swing around on mushrooms from. I love and Spore. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, it is kind of that. I <laughs> no, mean, it's not no, like... That's that's fair, though. Uh, but, but like, that, it is... You're making this in- incremental progress. You're nudging yourself forward. But every single time that you get something new, you are making a very noticeable and very permanent thing. Because one of the things I hate in games like Etrian Odyssey or just RPGs in general mm-hmm. is... And I would actually contrast this to another game I've been playing recently called um, Other Side, which is a tactics game. I hate games where your upgrades are like now you do 15% more damage or have 5% better fire rate it's why I hate Borderlands a lot of the time or I hate what Borderlands has kind of become where it's like well is 17% extra reload speed better or worse than an extra 5% damage on each shot or something like that it's like I hate that kind of stuff whereas in Etrian Odyssey a lot of the progress takes the form of drawing these maps and because as Ren pointed out your MP in this game, your MP equivalent, is so limited, and resources are so limited, and money is so limited, so, like, buying healing potions is incredibly limited, uh, and the game is very harsh in a lot of ways. You are making these little tentative dips into the dungeon over and over again, and mapping it on, uh, out as you go. And that will unlock, oftentimes, Dark Souls-style shortcuts. Mm-hmm. So okay. the next time you come back... Um, you, you don't have to go around as much and burn as many resources. Also, you're getting a teensy bit stronger. There is an element of that, okay, my character got an extra 10% health because they leveled up. 
But it's not the main thrust. The main thrust is I checked every single wall in the eastern corner of this particular room. And lo and behold, there is a secret door here because I clicked on it. And it says, hey, if you go through this, you'll be able to tunnel your way through and make a permanent shortcut. And now you can skip 90% of the dungeon and go straight down to floor two. And I love that shit. I love that sense of permanent progress that feels like something huge, even though it is in the moment something incredibly small. Okay. And the dungeons themselves are not, are they, are they proceed gen or are they not? Are they, they're not. They're, okay, they're, so they're, they're handcrafted. They're handcrafted, which, yeah. Which is way more appealing yeah. for me personally. Yeah, no, they are, they're really, they are genuinely super good. Like, I'm not like a big like, oh, dungeon design. Like, no, they're phenomenal. Like, they are, they yeah. are fucking incredible. The thing I like about um, Nexus specifically is that they have these smaller dungeons in between the main ones. Yeah, it's very that cool. Each, that each have their own thing. Like, they have one boss, they're one floor, and right. figuring them out is a super cool experience. It's like figuring out a, a little puzzle each time it whips. Yeah, it's there's one one of the earliest ones you get to an Etrian Odyssey Nexus is this area where you go in and these like nameless guards are like, huh, this place is awesome. There's a bunch of like really easy monsters to kill in here. You can just level up all day. It's great. I love it. It's just these dumb deer. Let's kill all these deer. And then if you go into there and start playing the dungeon the way that they kind of like nudge you towards doing like, hey, it's a great area for beginners. If you kill all the deer a like mega deer appears oh and starts like hunting you. <laughs> that and that, yeah. The best part about the mega deer oh, is that it cool. can jump through walls. Uh-huh. So the normal, so you have to go around shit. So you have to go through these like winding tunnels as this fucking mega deer is just jumping through walls and shit. And you're like, I gotta go. I do not have the strength to beat these things because the other thing about these dungeons is there are the random encounter enemies, mm-hmm. and then there are the foes. F-O-E's. Foes, yeah, FOEs, yeah. They show they up on the map. St- they stand for something in Latin. I don't know what it is, but it's foe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're visible on the map and, like, on the screen, and you have to, like, learn how to avoid them. Like, learning how to avoid them is the big huh. part of learning to understand a dungeon, is learning to understand the specific mechanics and behaviors of the foes therein. Because when you first go into a dungeon, you cannot fight one. Oh, my. No. If you try and fight one, they will Fair. they will ki- they will will push your shit. It's so bad. It will be it will be so bad. They will just beat the whole living hell out of you. Yeah. But the, um, is it something like Persona that- 3 and the the Grim Reaper, like the yes, oh, totally. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. It's yeah. like that, but what if the Grim Reaper was always present and you just had to learn the patterns Ooh. of the Grim Reaper to avoid it? Um, okay, so but the idea is that once you're probably strong enough to get through the entire dungeon, you're probably strong enough to take on one of the foes. Basically, ex- yeah, yeah. That okay. is exactly how it feels. Which is and then they basic- usually. They usually drop rare materials that let you build like really crazy ah. weapons and armor. Ah, okay. Can you One go the entire games. game without engaging with a foe? Totally. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. Um, that is like, uh, or some would argue optimal play is just like, oh, don't ever fuck with them. But yeah, that's I, more like, my style. <laughs> I got I got strong enough uh, in the last dungeon that I was able to take on the foes the first time I saw them. Which was, like, mm. such a good fucking feeling of being like, oh, cool, I just fucking roll this place. Yeah. Uh, and just being able to just like go through. But then I got to the boss, and the boss fucking obliterated me because I yeah. didn't understand its mechanic. Because I, right. like, I, it, because they're so, the boss design is so good. Yeah. Uh, it, it is the best turn-based RPG boss design I've ever seen. Huh. It is it's just, like. Ugh. 
this game has like so many things going for it and it's very because it is so low budget it's you know low res and it's actually probably why we i don't know if we will ever see another one of these games or maybe not called this anyway because a there's a mechanical factor which is drawing the maps used the ds and 3ds stylus and bottom screen and we don't have that anymore um you could maybe replicate that on switch if you just committed to being whole hog on just handheld but i don't know i mean that would that would take me out of the equation i'll tell you that totally yeah like i think it would for me too i don't think it would be as good i think that took a lot of people out of mario maker 2 you know yep um so i don't know you'd have to almost come up with a completely different way of handling things uh if you were to make another one of these games the um other thing, though, is just because the game, the earlier games on the uh, earlier hardware, similar to Monster Hunter, actually, in a lot of ways, they were so low res, the assets were a much cheaper and easier to produce and represent on screen. They're able to do so much. So you have these, like, incredibly interesting puzzle mechanics for each dungeon that are fun. It's like fun is a puzzle game. Then you have the foes, which are almost their own separate puzzles that also add like mm-hmm. cool boss rush mode or something like that. Then you have the boss fights, which you have to learn like a Dark Souls boss. So you get that fun too. Then you just have regular JRPG combat, like a Dragon Quest or whatever, but that is hard enough to make you think about how you're doing every single fight. So you also get that fun. Like it's just so many different, we joked about great taste that tastes great together, but it's so many different tastes that taste great together, right. especially when you get to the end of the series and they've really just honed their craft and they're able to just pull assets from such a long, wide range of games, much like Monster Hunter Generations was able to do on the 3DS and then later the Switch, because they just have all these old assets that because they don't have to look like 4K HDR ready, they can just like pull that shit in and here's like... 800 monsters go nuts, you know, and in this, it's yeah. like, here's 800 dungeons, here's 400 bosses go nuts. Are yeah, there, it, oh are there consistent, or do, do each entry of this game take place in the same kind of universe, or is it just like, who no. gives a shit? Shrug. It's, yeah, it's who, yeah. the answer is, John, yeah. is who gives a shit. It's yeah, who gives yeah, yeah. a fucking shit. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah. what Nexus does? I mean, Nexus fair. is just like, I don't, Nexus literally yeah, yeah, yeah. goes at one point, I don't know where these dungeons are coming from. It seems like people recognize them. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have these characters from other games keep showing up. Shrug. No one gives a fuck. Keep going through the yeah. dungeon. Yeah, so it's it's just kind of a toy box approach. I mean, that's fine. Certainly by the end of the franchise, yeah. Okay. Like the the previous games before that might as well have been the Final Fantasy model of like these right. do not take place in the same universe. Like because they will be talking about how ah the tree of Yggdrasil, but then every game will have a different Yggdrasil that has a different role. But then later on they start saying like. They start referring to it as an Yggdrasil. I think Nexus calls it an Yggdrasil. Yeah, like, it says oh. that there are seven. It says yeah, there are uh-huh. seven Yggdrasils. Just fuck <laughs> off. Um, because, yeah, like, in five, uh, the dungeon is literally just a giant Yggdrasil, like, tree that you, every floor of, you, like, the tree is hollow, and every floor of the dungeon you're going up to try and get to the top of Yggdrasil. At which point, you unlock the, you, you credits roll, and then you, after the credits roll, you unlock the secret final dungeon of Etrian Odyssey 5, which is space. You go into oh. space and fight aliens on top okay. of the tree that is basically a space elevator. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the games are, like, they do not give a shit <laughs> in that sense. Wait, so there's a space elevator at the top of the Yggdrasil? The, the Yggdrasil tra- might as well elevator. be a space, yeah, okay. a space elevator. And then once you get to the top of the canopy, you're in space. 
Yggdrasil. I'm so sorry. I just say I did say Yggdrasil, which is what I used to. Oh, Yggdrasil. I, listen, I I when I didn't know how that word was pronounced, is how I pronounced that. There is a no, ship I'm... in the game Xenogears, and that's uh-huh. what I called it. No, Japan fucking loves putting Yggdrasils into video games. Yeah. There's a lot of, like the Dragon Quest series also has lots of Yggdrasils. Etrian Odyssey has Yggdrasils. They got a yeah. weird thing about that. Got, I don't know why. Know, those big, those big, big trees. They, they love trees. Love yep. They love Norse trees. Uh-huh. Um, so since and then game, oops, yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead, Natalie. So I was wondering, like, so a lot of people when it comes to the massive amount of grinding that you have to do in a JRPG, a lot of people kind of use it to relax in a sense, like a form of therapy. Yeah. Like you just kind of like do that whole mindless grinding sort of thing. I guaranteed feel like work for guaranteed progress. Yeah, exactly. It It's really good for the brain and making you think like, Oh, I'm making some progress. I am developing. I, you know, there are other things that you could be doing, but there's, there is an appeal to mindless grinding. There's a routine yeah. and there's a comfort in it. But are these games... It sounds like these games are challenging enough that there's not much room for mindless grinding because you're always mm. sort of encouraged to be challenged and to think on your feet? Or is there a point where you level up enough or you get strong enough that it does have the potential to be that? Every character you get starts at level zero. Yeah. Uh, and you have to build them up yourself. So if you want to change your party composition, yeah, you you have to do the grinding. So like for example mm-hmm. with me, when I feel like a character is is has lost their narrative function or is like in a different part of their arc and doesn't need to be part of the main party, mm-hmm. uh, I find someone else and there is a class in game called the Shogun. Yeah. Uh, and the Shogun has an ability that um, summons that makes enemies more common and boosts the amount of EXP that they provide. Right. Mm-hmm. The hero has an ability that makes um, rare enemies more common uh, and increases the amount of EXP they give. So when you have the two of them together, you can basically summon really str- like relatively strong, um, uh, incredibly rare enemies that give like six level ups worth of ex- worth of experience. Uh, for low-level units, yeah. Yeah, for low-level units. And then basically, I just do a little training arc. It's like a fun little training arc where the new member of the team gets, like, built up by the by the Shogun, who is, like, for me, the designated trainer slash, like, uh, you know, leader. Not leader. She's, like, um, Jean is kind of, like, um, yeah, she's, like, a trainer, right? She's everyone's, like, fucking... Uh, uh, principal or whatever the fuck. Yeah, she stands on school. she stands on Route Six and then challenges young children to Pokemon battles and then forces them into <laughs> combat and then if they lose, gives them like six hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Like That's what John's job is. Um, so, but it you get strong enough where you can just fucking run through people and then you have the strong people run through everyone while you have like a bunch of little people gaining a ton of levels. Can you zone um, out, though? I feel, feel like that's maybe what Natalie's asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is the combat too complex for you to get to a point where you're like, okay, this is mindless, this is relaxing, grinding for me, but is it too challenging for it to ever really get to that point? Uh, I would say most of the time, yes, especially if I compare it to even games that are like... Um, the Shin Megami Tensei franchise, they've they've done kind of crossovers with um, the Persona and Shin Megami Tensei games. Uh, the Persona Q games are a good example of... Those are just Etrian Odyssey games that just have Persona characters in them. 
Um, they literally have FOEs. They have foes. They are structured exactly the same. Um, and then there's um, Strange, Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey, which is also extremely similar. In those games, I definitely get to a point where I just hit like the left shoulder button, and then that's just like, everyone auto-attacks in right. like five times speed. I'm never doing that in Etrian Odyssey, because the way you overpower your enemies is not my stats are so high that I can just auto attack them. The way you overpower enemies is every time you level up, you get skill points, you pump skill points into new skills, mm -hmm. new skills will allow you to do things like give yourself constantly regenerating uh, mana eventually, uh, or cure people of poison very quickly and easily. Make sure that you're always attacking, make sure enemies are always missing because they're, uh, paralyzed or poisoned or whatever. That's another thing I love about these games is they actually Stats like effects. Good. Yeah, they, the status they, effects are really satisfying in this. Oh Super my god, satisfying. they're so fucking good. Each enemies are like have different resistances. Oh my god, oh. there's oh fuck, it makes my brain feel so good when I'm using a night seeker. Night seekers are a class yeah. that are all about doing status effects. Harbingers um, are also in that same boat. Yes, Harbingers, Night Seekers, and Ninjas um, are all super, super fun to play. Well, there's, okay, so there's status effects, but there's also binds. Yes. Um, so each uh, attacks are associated with a body part. So you can have leg attacks, head attacks, and arm attacks. Oh. Uh, and um, you can have a leg bind, a head bind, or an arm bind. And that actually disables enemies from being able to use certain abilities and has stat effects. So Like if, if you're against bind, a, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, if you like leg bind a deer, the deer can no longer kick you in the face, right. but it also loses its evasion stat yeah. uh, because its legs are bound. And that's so there's two different kinds of status effects um, that different characters can specialize in. So while one class might focus on actual like poison status effects, another class can focus on um, binding and, in, and um, shutting enemies down. In Etrian and Odyssey 5, it was a really strong combo to have, like, Harbingers, which are these characters that use big giant scythes to Harbinger. do... Harbinger. <laughs> uh, You're welcome, Natalie. <laughs> get that Mass Effect representation uh, in here. Okay. I love John. Um, All right. <laughs> Sorry. I was just waiting for that. I was, I was sitting here. That's the most embarrassing part. I'm sitting here with my thumb over the button, waiting for someone to say that word again. And I'm like, all right. It Assuming control. Do you, can you say okay. it, John? Uh, Assuming control. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid. Uh, sorry. Uh, but yeah, the Harbinger class is what? Sorry. <laughs> they they were uh, they use sides, so they do, are focused on like large scale status effects, where it'll be like they, they sweep their scythe forward and everybody gets paralyzed or poisoned. Whereas the mm. monks were like, or the pugilists, I think is what they're called, but they're basically monks, yeah. are all about like grapple attacks. So it's like they're literally just going to walk over there, grab somebody by the arms and hold them in place. And it's just like you can't use anything that requires your arms anymore. So if you're a wizard, you can't throw no fireballs. Fuck you. But oh. The same is also true I mean, of your team, so... That's pretty fun, if, though. I mean, legitimately, the idea of, like, you know, a wizard is like, all right, here we go, and then just, like, fucking... <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Kazuchika Okada's like, I'm just gonna grab you. Um, yeah, no, you can't do that. I'm gonna hit you in the head, and then you're not gonna be able to think good, and you can do a spell, I mean, you dumbass. I, what are you I even like, trying I like, here? I like that a grappler is, is, in some ways, on even ground with, uh... You know, with a uh, with a pro wrestler, that's with not, magicians, I mean, with the wizard, that sounds yeah. good. 
Yeah, what if Danielle could fight a wizard? <laughs> Who would win in a fight? Wizard, yes. I think this definitely um, finally settles the question of whether or not Ryu is a wizard because he throws a fireball or not. And the answer is it doesn't matter because mm. martial artists are on the same plane of existence mm. as a wizard anyway. Hey, I like mm. that. Um, but yeah, no, but uh, long story short, what I love, one thi- another thing I love about this game, uh, this franchise in particular, is that it makes that stuff so important because that is how you grind. Like you're, you're always thinking about it. It's not mindless grinding in the same way that a dragon quest is, but you be, once you unlock all those options, again, this feeds into the sense of, uh, incremental, but meaningful progress. Um, you unlock these abilities and it's like, I'm going to go into this battle and I'm not going to take any damage because I'm going to fucking, knock this guy over the head so he can't scream good anymore and he can't use his weird scream attack on me and then we can just like all gang up and kick the shit out of him yeah um each each so it's you can't just like hit buttons but you basically learn the pattern for each fight because the enemy configurations are predictable like you will see oh i know that i know this configuration where it's two wolves and this plant fucking dude and when i have the two wolves and the plant dude what i do is i use an ability that um you know paralyzes both of the wolves and then i just beat up the plant dude and once you learn that once you like figure out the puzzle for that particular enemy configuration you just do it like your brain is just like oh cool click 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 and that click 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 feels really good in a way that for me just like the hit the l button and go doesn't it's like a more relaxed version of getting the timing down on a parry in sekiro Uh, yes yes oh my god yeah, yes, yeah. the best feeling Another on game that's too hard for me. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, and the other really cool thing about a lot of this stuff is one of my fucking biggest pet peeves about JRPGs is to have all these goddamn status effects, sleep, paralyzed, and poison, And they do nothing blind. on the boss. They do fucking they do nothing fucking on the boss. They do nothing to boss it. And yeah. that doesn't it's happen It's so here. annoying. It does not happen here. In fact, no. so a lot of these fights are basically mandatory to like have somebody who can do at least one thing to a boss. Yeah, that uh, rules. I mean, that, is, that is one of those weird oh, things so about good. about JRPG design generally is, you know, you, you spend a lot of time developing uh, certain characters. I mean, this is especially true in like, I don't know, Final Fantasy Final 9 Fantasy. or like, yeah. Uh, yeah. or just Final Fantasy games in general where, you know, you have one character that specializes in status effects or at least it's a set of abilities and they're just fucking useless and so you start to do the calculus on like is it even worth developing any of this at all because the hardest battles are the ones that you know you get into boss fights with so yeah, the that's cool. Oh my god, it's so fucking. Like, and the, the the other thing is that um, enemies become more resistant to statuses the more times they get them. So right. bosses like, will have cool multiple down. bosses have multiple status weaknesses. So basically, like you can shift throughout the fight what your status person is doing and like which status person is doing what job at any particular point in time. So yeah. like there's a very flexible role for different characters. So at one point, you know, my night seeker could focus on paralyzing the boss while my pugilist does DPS. Right. And then when the paralysis drops and I know I can't get paralysis again, the pugilist focuses on binding while the uh, night seeker shifts to DPS mode. And then enough time passes and then like, okay, the resistance to paralysis has drained away again because enough turns have passed. So it's time to flip the script and hope for the best, you know, because 
there's like a small chance that there's always a small chance that they're going to resist. And then you have to like think on your feet and like, okay, it's time to heal. It's time to burn through my very expensive, very rare uh, healing items here because I, I need to. Uh, and the thing about healing items in these games too, is you can't just buy healing items. It's not like you just have money and you do have, I mean, you do have money. A money is hard to come by, but also like the shops have limited stock based on what you sell them. So you will sell them junk items and then they will craft that into like, oh, you brought me six, like, you know, Mountain Dew drops or whatever the fuck. And now I can turn that into fucking some Baja Blast for you. I can turn that into exactly six Baja Blasts. Uh, and you can heal yourself with six Baja Blasts now in this dungeon until you bring me more droplets. And, <clears throat> and so you have to really think. Not only are you always thinking about managing your, your TP, managing how deep you're going into the dungeon because you might fuck yourself. You're also managing your items that you're using during these boss fights and thinking about when you really want to use them. Oh, that sounds like too much of a challenge. And then it you're also thinking about all of your OCs and how Lady Ella is definitely falling for Cassandra, even though neither of them want to recognize it because, you know, the tension between them. And then when uh, Lady Ella gives her favor to Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. That's, no. That's a lot. It's a lot. No. Yeah. Do, do you make these people are meat. and stuff? I take notes. You take notes? I mean, I'm, I'm not. That's not a judge question. I mean, like, yeah, people I run write fucking, fan I run, fiction I run, and I run, everything of their own, like you know, novel yeah. length fan fiction of yeah. their original yeah, I characters. Do take, I do take notes and extensively. If anyone will let me fucking talk about these big nerds who I fucking hate, um, I mean, like, this is like. I mean, I know one of my favorite things I ever saw was when um, Janine Hawkins did a uh, Dragon Age journal. Um, uh, and oh, yeah. every single every single time she played Dragon Age would like draw in like do this like gorgeous art of something that her character saw and then write in character uh, that journal, which is just like so good, so good. I yeah. fucking adore um, that. People whole are, thing. are doing this a lot lately, like with Animal Crossing. I know I, I read a story that uh, people were doing like journals about their towns and like. That's yeah. cute because then you can share it on social media and I guess just like it's nice to sort of partake in that. There's there's a lot of satisfaction to be found in playing as a set character, but there's also a lot of joy to be found in something a little more ambiguous and that the game has carved the space to allow you to create these headcanons and create, you know, um, all these ideas about these characters that the game doesn't necessarily deliver on but it does let you it, it lets you do it it lets you it allows you the space yeah yeah to, to do these things um, and yeah, that's why people love XCOM. yeah that's why i love yeah. BattleTech. and ultimately yeah, that matters X, like can stuff matters less to people sometimes than what you can headcanon because like once a story is out there like you can make the argument that it's just as in your hands as it is in the creators yeah I, I, XCOM's a really good pull, uh, Ren, because like I, I guess I get the same vibe from, you know, building this team of of, you know, no, nothing, uh, into something that you know you're fighting for actively. Like that's that is what XCOM wants you to do is to feel for these characters, and I mean, like, listen, I, I, I definitely occupy a space that Natalie, I think, mostly does, which is like. I do kind of like the zone out like yeah. you know, for the most part, I, I've really enjoyed playing final fantasy 14 because 
uh, you know, like until I get into a couple of like pretty major involved boss fights, like, you know, it's pretty, pretty mine. Like I could put on, I don't know why you would because the music is beautiful, but like I could put it on a podcast and basically just like zone out for a while. That's why a lot of people like crafting game. and gathering. In Final it's Fantasy a great 14. podcast game, even even though it's a crime that a game with that good of music has yeah. has that kind of energy too, because the music in that game is amazing. But um, like so, I, I occupy that space a lot, but I also am very intrigued by a lot of the interlocking systems that that Ren and Steven have. Yeah described here because i am like okay i love exploration like that sounds really cool i love i do love sometimes getting just blank spaces these blank canvases together and making my own stories i do love that i wouldn't run efeds and fire pro wrestling if i didn't love that you know mm. like so that's that's kind of the same energy but like um yeah i don't know i mean that's i don't know i'm i'm not sold because one, mostly because I don't know where my DS is. Oh, um, well, that's par- that's a problem. That's for a sure. problem. Um, Second of all, I, we don't have that many brain cells. We don't have that many. Well, but I am intrigued. I am intrigued by this. I mean, I I think Ren and Steven have at yes. least. Ren, Ren, and Ren and Steven sounds way too much like Ren and Stimpy. John, the entire podcast, I have been waiting to say to you, I hate it when you say Ren and Steven because it sounds so close to Ren and Stimpy. I want to die. Oh my I god! Hate that. I'd actually like to no longer be on this podcast. We need Ren to come back so that we can just keep making that you know, joke. You know what the funniest part is? Is that when we, whenever this is some inside baseball, but whenever we do the Tuesday streams, we're in a Discord room with um with it's 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 most of us here. Um but you know Natalie Wren and and me and and Funke and Funke's avatar is is the stylized Wren <laughs> from Ren and Stimpy, like that's kind of like a weird dolled up chihuahua, yeah. uh, which is amazing. But I keep in my mind, I was like, "Oh, that's Ren's avatar," and I'm like, "No, it is not." <laughs> How fucking dare you! My my Listen, my sorry. fucking profile picture is a pit crew from the lesbian pit crew maker. Uh, yeah, that is its name. I mean, it's a great avatar. It's very good. It's just very yeah. funny. I'm, I'm so sorry I brought um, this, the Ren and Stimpy energy into this uh, podcast. Well, Allow me to bring the energy back down real quick, as I think we're about to wrap here very shortly. But I did want to say to your point, John, and also Natalie, if you guys are if your interest is peaked at all, the one thing I would say is or that I would recommend is maybe try the Persona Q games or Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey Redux on Mm. 3DS, Mm -hmm. Uh, both of which are a lot of the same I mean, for the Persona Q games are just baby's first Etrian Odyssey. Like, they're way, way, way easier Etrian Odyssey games that have named characters that have, like, abilities that you can rely on and not have to worry about builds as much. But also, you're doing the mapping, you're worrying about foes, you've got those puzzles. Um, whereas the Strange Journey games are a little bit more intense, or the Strange Journey game, I guess. It's just the game and then the remake that they made for 3DS. Those are a little bit more intense, but also, I would say... They, they it auto maps is was one thing so you get the mapping stuff but you don't actually have to take a um, stylus and draw everything and make the notes for yourself and whatnot which maybe takes away some of the fun but you still get this sense of uh progression through a space yeah. and i would say that if yeah if, if anything here for you guys or the listeners 
made them want to try Etrian Odyssey, but you're too afraid to try it, I would uh, really, really highly recommend either of those. Or you could just do what I do, which is what got me into Etrian Odyssey. And every year around March, I get really depressed, and then I buy a JRPG from three years before whatever the current year is, and then I kind of <laughs> use that to kind of push my feelings down. Um, Why is it three years specifically? That's how I, I don't know, but it's happened three years in a row. Uh, three okay. years in a row, I've just I've just been like, oh, I need a JRPG to make me feel better, uh, and then it keeps being a game from three years before whatever the current year is. I love so, that. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I. That's kind of how I deal with my bad feelings in March. Did any of y'all ever March play badness. Infinite Space for DS? Oh, I, I I've started Infinite Space a number of times, but I've never stuck with it. Okay, that's I, I, the only reason I ask is that's one of those games where I keep trying to buy it, but it costs like you know four hundred American dollars. Yeah. Now. Um, Oh, anyway. this is so yeah, it's kind of rare. Al- that game is so fucking up my alley. God I, damn it. it. It sounds very up my alley, too, but I've never been able to get my hands on it. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I, I think I've had I've owned two copies over the years. If I'm not wow. mistaken. You've, you've got damn. you've got 800 got, American got dollars. Fucking cool guy over here. <laughs> Fuck you, Steven. Uh, 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 that's very I, cool. I, I can't quite remember how I came into possession of two copies of Infinite Space. I did not pay four hundred dollars for either of them. I'll say that. Yeah, no, I I bet. Um, this is uh, this has been fun. I mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about a, a franchise that I knew really nothing about. It was something that like I looked at the art and I was immediately like, oh, this is absolutely not for me. But hearing the way that you two talk about it and the beauty that you can find in the mechanics and in the battles, like. I still don't think it's probably for me because I have like one brain cell, but I think it's so interesting <laughs> and I would like more JRPGs and RPGs in general to make small things like status effects count or to really challenge yeah. you and make combat interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that I hate about the Persona games is the Persona games have great comp is Persona 5 has a, an amazing battle system. They don't use, and just utilize like, the potential. They don't utilize that potential. They don't do at all. shit with it, which is why the fucking Shin Megami Tensei games are better than Persona yeah. because they actually they engage with their narrative and text in. If, I have uh, heard right. this, and we'll oh, be able to play uh, Nocturne soon. Yes. yes. Oh my oh god, man. I'm so excited <laughs> to play Nocturne. It's gonna have an easy mode too, just because if people are worried about difficult games, as uh, someone who That's played Shin Megami Tensei. <laughs> Turn on PS2. I want that game to ruin me. I'm so excited for that video game to just fucking devastate my brain. Uh, just completely yeah. tell me I'm a piece of shit. Hell yes. <laughs> tell uh, you you're a piece of shit while you punch God to death with your bare hands and kill your friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. Uh, so let's wrap it. Um, uh, Jordan Nally, our wonderful producer in. Uh, always in the periphery, making sure we don't, uh, you know, say anything, uh, terrible, like, um, my pronunciation of Yggdrasil earlier, um, <laughs> like, uh, I'll just say it one more time, Yggdrasil. <laughs> Yggdrasil. You're welcome. Um, that gum you like is grubbing back in style, Yggdrasil. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Stephen. Where can we find you doing more of that on uh, on online? You go to twitter.com and go to <laughs> at Stephen Strupp. 
Um, okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that, uh, Steven made it out of the red room to talk to us. John, you need to say your handle and the harbinger voice. (laughs) Ah, okay. Uh, I'll get through everyone and then do that. Uh, Natalie, where can we find you online? You can find me at Hardimesia. That's heart. I am ECIA on Twitter. Talking about much easier games than Atrian Odyssey. <laughs> we gotta find the we gotta find the exception, the one difficult thing. There has like. to be an exception, and I have not There's found it. I think ninety nine okay. potions will be my journey into finding it. Okay, I'm I'm excited. Uh, Ren, where can we find you uh, developing tremendous head cannons? About everyone, you can find me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. Thank you so much. Uh, Gamers, goodbye gamers goodbye thank you so much um, for being can... on this episode by the way yes this like, was very fun you thank two you made being. something that i again had no interest in and you made it fun and charming and worth you know listening about so thank you ren for all yes. your energy Steven's you are marvelous very good at that yes yeah i mean Y'all ren honestly it, it was just nice to have a a fellow true gamer on a podcast with me for once in my life. Well, I, I no, I'm not going to follow you down this road, but I'm going to go stand with the two brain cell crew and be like, hey, what's up? John, I think we should talk about our post, uh, our, our, our podcast uh-huh. mate. You know what? All right, we're moving on. Our pod- okay, well, you can find me online at uh, <laughs> now now john 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 the voice filter did get slightly sultry which i did not like i did not like that at all harbinger but sultry floppy adult you can find me online at floppy adult uh you can also find uh fanbyte at fanbyte media you can also find fanbyte at Fanbite on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Fanboy. Um, uh, I did say you can find Steven. Facebook on Facebook on a on a on a podcast yesterday. Uh, you can also find us on TikTok uh, at Fanbite, which is uh, very fun. Uh, <laughs> That's my budget harbinger voice. For uh, you can honestly, it was way better than mine. Um, TikTok goes the clock. <laughs> You, you can find Steven and I's secret podcast, Pervert Corner, uh, in, in on the dark right. web. <laughs> Where the perverts um, go to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, when uh, uh, you can also find our uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash fanbite. Um, check out check out all of our check out all of our podcasts at fanbite.com slash podcasts. What do you mean, uh, Natalie? (laughs) Clearly, clearly we have a very specific sign-off for today. So, here we go. (laughs) Glug, 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 Ren, you want to do it? Gamers, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I I rebuke this. I rebuke this. (laughs) 